Welcome. You are listening to the Parkway Podcast. Uh, I have been deeply convicted uh, when we started talking about the God of restoration, about does the church actually believe in restoration anymore? And we say it very flippantly, like, of course, until the person that needs restoration comes to church and is messy. And we oftentimes have a lot of grace for strangers, but we have a little bit of grace for people that we've known that have fallen. Um, last time I checked, people don't come to church pre-won, pre-discipled, and pre-matured. It is a process. Hi, I'm Carissa, the Communications Director here at Parkway. This is our second podcast in our series recaps. We have just completed our sermon series, Stories of Our Savior, and this series had three core messages on healing, hope, and restoration, and ended at our Christmas Eve service with the greatest story, the Christmas story. If you haven't listened to all of those episodes yet, you can always find them on our website at parkwaycc.com sermons, or on our YouTube channel, Parkway Christian Center, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. So I'm here this evening with Pastor Jay, our lead pastor, DJ Moore, who spoke on the story of hope, and John Anderson, a church board member here at Parkway. So... Pastor Jay, recap the series for us. Awesome stuff. John Anderson, it's great to have you. He's going to be the one with a deep baritone voice. DJ's going to have the almost high-pitched voice like a female, but he's not really a female. I'm very excited for this podcast. Oh, he got it deeper. <laughs> yeah. He went deeper. That was awesome stuff. Hey, just a quick recap. We thank you guys for listening. We're trying to provide content and conversation after Sunday messages that usually happen around the dinner table or in life groups or care groups or whatever you like to call them, but it's important for us as a church staff to double back around and have some important conversations. And the three conversations that we want to have, the micro conversations uh, are surrounded around the uh, message on healing, the message on hope, and the message on restoration. And it's going to be a wonderful time. The message on healing was a very interesting one because we had one of our staff pastors share about God's will for healing, and maybe it is or maybe it isn't. And then my wife got up and spoke, and she clearly said, it is God's will and desire for the believers to be healed. Um, and then you get in that tough theological question of if it's God's will, then why don't we see God's healing all the time? Is it a matter of faith or trust, or is it we're all going to be healed in heaven or today? So I want to ask you guys about that uh, in a few moments. And then we had just a wonderful message and story by DJ Moore, who told a personal story of of how he began to, to walk in hope and out of the caves that he found himself in. And that was a beautiful, beautiful message. And then restoration. Do we believe in restoration as a church? And why is it that we uh, have a whole bunch of grace uh, for strangers, but we don't have grace for people that we have in our own life? And what is that about, you know, really need to change? So Carissa, where would you suggest we start? Um, I think you start with the hard one, healing. Okay, let's let's jump into healing. So, uh, was your takeaway sort of my takeaway? Were there what the, there was like a mixed message almost coming off of that, or what was your take, John? I don't. I didn't come away with a mixed message. I thought Pastor St. John did a wonderful job framing that. I mean, the two questions that he put out there was, "Can God heal?" and then the second one was, "Will God heal?" And I think he framed it well when he talked about that part where he's talking about we have to pray as the Lord taught us to pray, and, and that, that's that part where it says, thy will be done. I thought he did a really good job of that. Mm -hmm. I could see where maybe there was some misunderstanding, but my belief is that God can heal and God will heal, and he might not do it in the time or the fashion we anticipate that to be, but yeah. I believe he always answers. Yeah, my, my saying has always been, it's our responsibility to ask, and then it's his responsibility to answer. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't get to control the answer, but we get to control the faith and by which we ask. Yes. What would you add to it, DJ? I, I mean, I think that was well said. I agree. I think Pastor Jane, uh, St. John did a great job of setting the stage for Brooke to get up there. But it always with healing, I feel like maybe for myself, I'll speak for myself with healing. Uh, sometimes it comes to uh, God can heal, heal, he does heal. And then it's like there's a big question mark at the end of it. Like, will he heal? I, <laughs> right. I guess we'll see sometimes. Um, and so I, I remember listening to Brooke's story for many years. It was incredibly inspirational, incredibly moving. It built my faith up. And then on the other side of that, when I went through some hard times, you listen to that story and you go, hmm, why does God do things for some people and not for other people? And I feel like that's a place where a lot of Christians find themselves in. And I don't even know, that's an area I'm growing in to even figure out uh, what the answer to that question is, because I know it's probably a question for a lot of people. Yeah, some people are super convicted about it's an us problem. Mm -hmm. Some people are convicted about it's the will of God problem and that we might not ever understand it. Um, And I find it very interesting in all the years of talking and and hanging out with people and talking about Scripture, how it's often easier for us to have faith for other people in their situations Mm -hmm. than even ourselves. Yeah. And so there's that level of understanding that I think it's it's we're all on a journey, and to have grace um, wherever we stand on the healing issue is important, mm-hmm. and to know that we're not enemies, we're we're each other's mission fields, and to build each other up in faith is a super important thing. Mm-hmm. But I will say the stand of this church is that God doesn't just want to heal, but He is in the healing business. Yeah. Absolutely. And we don't believe that it's going to happen one day. We believe it's going to happen today. And again, it's our responsibility to ask, and it's his responsibility to answer. And there is a level of faith that um, the American church, which I am a part of, and I don't use that just as a negative term, but there are some negative terms beside that. Um, we've got some things to answer. It's like, why aren't we seeing things that we see in the Word of God activated in our own church, in our own lives? And it's an interesting, interesting question. Would you guys add anything else to that, or do you feel like it, it was good? I, th- I think a lot of the times, at least in my life, um, there's, I've prayed for people. I've had people pray for me, and I've not seen those results till days or years down the road when I'm able to get down and look back and see how God did actually answer that prayer, but I wasn't perceptive enough to see what he was doing in that moment. Mm-hmm. So I've been down the road a bit, and be, mm-hmm. hindsight, looking back, I could say, okay, mm-hmm. I get it all. I see how he did that in that moment, and there actually was a healing that took place Not the way I anticipated it, but certainly accomplished it. It's also the age-old question of dealing with people that... um, I'll tell a personal story from years ago that we had a a young person, 18, 19, 20 years old, that we had personally discipled all the way through junior high and high school that had been wayward from the Lord and just started coming back to the the Lord, church, the fold, however you want to describe that, and then had a weekend out at, at the casinos and ended up winning hundreds of thousands of dollars only then to take that money and basically run deeper into the world. So really was winning the lottery or winning the money a blessing or was it a curse? Yeah. And so I often wonder around this, like if God really answered some of our prayers, would they actually be towards our eternal salvation? Mm-hmm. Or is God keeping us from things that, that we just have to trust him with? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's an interesting thing of this trust that we have with the Lord is... is He's he's got to provide the answer, not that we want, but the answer that we need. And if we can trust him with that, I believe that his will um, in every situation is that his 
his children, which you or I are part of being children of God, uh, can walk in health and wholeness in life. Um, but he cares more about eternity than he does even about our temporal, um, our state. Yeah. I think one of the things, I think Pastor St. John shared from Mark chapter 11, if I remember right, and he talked about, I, won't, I don't have that scripture memorized, but he talked about in, in anything that you ask, you there's a, there's a qualifier there, anything that you ask, you believe. And so we don't just ask, we ask and we believe that God is able and that God will accomplish that. That belief is a big part yeah. when we come into a position where we're having to pray. Yeah, the last part of this is almost like the survivor's guilt. Um, you guys have heard my wife and I's story with uh, not just Brooke, but with Jaden and not with just Jaden, with Jace. Um, you start to begin to wonder why God did it for us. And it's this weird, um, this weird place to be in. Uh, because you do see somewhat selective results in people's lives. And then uh, you you just have to, again, trust the Lord in all things. And so my, my encouragement to you, uh, church family, believers in Christ, body of Christ, the kingdom, is wrestle with it. Um, it's okay to have disagreements. It's okay to, to question and have struggles with this as long as you let the word of God win, not the experience of your life. That's good. And if you'll do that, it'll be a, a wonderful thing. Uh, the other uh, sermon that we had that was super impactful was this, the sermon on hope. Mm -hmm. And uh, DJ, I want to personally thank thank you for your transparency. I know that was a I think it was probably the first time you really told your story that way. Mm -hmm. um, you've had some time to process. Um, put you on the spot right now. Would you add something to that? Would you take something away? Would you say no? I got to have time to think about it because I do think it's part of speaking that is mm -hmm. somewhat intimidating that people don't really know. Yeah. That sometimes you can misspeak or misstate. And what would you say? What would you say about that? Yeah, I'd say that looking back, it being the first time that I really uh, truly shared kind of the experience that I went through in, in my family, um, it's such a daunting task to explain five years or so of ups and downs and tragedy and losing my father. Uh, looking back, I wish, uh, you know, it, Basically, that I would have been a little more concise with my words, and maybe, you know, you look back and you say, I wish I would have said this better. I wish I would have made this point uh, make a little bit more sense, but I feel like what I shared was my story, and it, it, it came from the heart, and it was what the Lord put on my heart. So not too many regrets, but more just structurally, I wish I'd have said this better, kind of beating yourself up stuff, but it was... It was definitely the first time I'd ever shared it like that. I think the genuineness and authenticity of the way that you shared your story was beautiful, and that if it was put together in some kind of perfect structured thing, it wouldn't have had as much impact. Mm -hmm. And I say that um, to let everybody know that when you share your story of faith personally, one-on-one -on -one with people, that God doesn't necessarily have to use a polished performance. Mm -hmm. He just uses us and all of our inadequacies. And when you get up behind the microphone and speak, obviously you're going to get the critics or even the worst critic, which is yourself after you drive home. Mm -hmm. yeah. I quit every Sunday after I, I drive home from church. Like, did I really say that? I didn't mean that. It was in my heart, but maybe it was my heart. And you start, yeah. you know, you start going down that road, but I thought it was a beautiful job about um, how God brought is bringing you out mm -hmm. still in process. Yeah. And the great call of God that God has on your life to do incredible things out of that cave and, and hope does that. Hope has a way of of drawing us out, and so what a beautiful, what a beautiful story, John. In all of your years in church life and ministry, what would you, what would you tell the people from your perspective on, uh, 
if they're in a hole right now, if they're in a cave, what would you what would you give to them? Well, first, I'd just like to say that DJ's testimony and Brooks, and, and I'm so appreciative of how God moves and moved on your heart to put the perfect people in the place at the right time. That was God. That's mm-hmm. a God moment. And DJ's message and Brooks uh, were powerful, and I believe they changed lives, and they really touched me. And, and then the way that you uh, presented that message, I think this is the part where you were talking about caves and kind of identified some of those caves that we as people can get ourselves in, into. And that was very provoking for me because mm-hmm. I came away from that service through that next couple, several weeks of contemplating what that meant. And then there's so many caves that we mm-hmm. get ourselves, that we can allow ourselves to be drawn into. And one of those caves that I had to recognize in myself is I got into this place in this cave of comfort. I don't know if that makes sense, Yep. Mm-hmm. but I got in this cave of comfort where I got comfortable with what I was doing, and, and it was easy for me to say no to a lot of things mm-hmm. because I didn't want to come out. It's like the Taj Mahal of caves, maybe. You're in there, and you're comfortable, <laughs> yep. and it's difficult to come apart from that. So I was extremely provoked, more than I ever have been before. So I believe that shows the power of the Holy Spirit through the message that we heard, and your message of hope was to provoke people yep. to think about what it is that's in front of them, no matter how old you are and for me to come out of that cave of comfort and be provoked to do that for the last year and a half Mm -hmm. where God's really been moving on me I actually can tell you I was starting to feel my age Mm. you know I was starting to feel that I am at that place where I'm getting older but this thing that happened and provoked me out of that Mm. cave of comfort caused me now to begin to step out whereas like today I had lunch with a 41 year old man a 41 41 year old guy and I just felt vitality I felt as though God took that message and began to move me to a place I would not have been otherwise. He's, he's moved me out of the comfort zone. And one of the other things, and I don't know if it was this message where you said this, but you said, we're not, folks, we're not getting on a cruise ship. Yeah. We're getting on mm-hmm. a battleship. And one of the things I was able to share with him today was, you know, I thought about that. And there's a lot of things to do on a cruise ship. <laughs> you know, there's a lot right. of fun things. You've got all kinds of things you can do. But on a battleship, there's a lot of things that have to get done. And when we're coming, and, and as we approach that, as you spoke that, I thought about that. There's a lot of things that, yep. that us in that, and there's, there's people from really young ages up to my age that are comfortable. Yep. We need to come out. What you're challenging us to do is come out of that comfort zone, recognize that even at my age, I'm not you know, unuseful. I am, I, God right. can use mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And, and it's provoked people in, in that all age categories, I think, to begin to move into that place to where we understand that. Yeah, there's no age qualifier in Scripture, right? No. And it actually uh, makes it a point to say that even those of you that think you're young, you have giftings and talents. And then it just automatically assumes that until we breathe our last breath here that we've got uh, impact in eternity to make. It reminded me of this moment that I had as you were sharing, man, 15 years ago now. I was a youth pastor in Vacaville, and I went to a... uh, campus club called FCA at our local high school at Vacaville High School. And there was it's a school of like five or 6,000 kids, a lot of kids. I mean, it's one of those mass things that when the bell rings for lunch, if you get trapped in your car, you're there forever. And I'll never forget, um, it was in the moment when the Bay Area began to switch towards this, um, this really this evil indoctrination of our kids uh, towards the LGBTQIA+, whatever the acronym now is. And I remember sitting in my truck and watching what what used to be called the makeout wall, um, just go just go bonkers and crazy. It was to describe it probably wouldn't be appropriate for a podcast, but you guys are getting the point. Those of you that know 
what kind of wall that is in high school. It was just, it was, it was humbling for me in a burden way. And I, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, this is the darkness of decay that is hitting our world with sin. Mm. And I was grieved and, and tears were streaming down my face. It was one of those burden moments that I wasn't mad at the, the kids. I was actually burdened that someone needs to tell them that down the end of that road is a bunch of hopelessness. Because yeah. we've those of us that, that are f- aware of where God brought us and our families, we know the end of the road of sin is despair. And so we don't have any rocks to throw. We actually have a whole bunch of tears to be shed. And I, I just so happened to be speaking at the Christian school chapel in town. And so I drove from that scene of the high school to the Christian school. And there was a chapel going on and, and the music was being played. And there was this comfort that was in the chapel services uh, with all of these kids that were raised in church and, and there was no passion in worship. It was almost like it was this boring atmosphere. And I heard the Holy Spirit say right when I sat down, this is the darkness of I'm okay. Hmm. And so the caves that we that we live in, it uh, doesn't matter what cave you find yourself in. It could be in the in the chaos of the world and sin, or it can be the comforts of a pew at a church. You better get out of the cave because God wants to use you and wants to have a personal relationship with you. Yeah. And so what a powerful, what a powerful testimony that if you're watching or listening or hearing this right now, um, that if your walk is is fully comfort, it probably means that you're on the on the cruise ship and not the battleship. And you better you better take take note to what what, what ship you're on. Yeah. Um, but what a what an awesome reminder. Chris, what would you add? I would just ask, um, when you're talking about the caves, caves of comfort, or you know, the cave that you're in, DJ, what would be some practical steps that you would take or that you would tell somebody in a similar situation? What's the first step in getting out? Like, what's, hmm. What are just some steps that could be taken? Uh, for me, I think the... I don't know if I went into it enough when I shared my testimony, but I can say without a shadow of a doubt, um, getting close to the people in my church, I was very blessed... Uh, one thing I know I didn't share, uh, when I was in high school, I was debating going to college. In my senior year, I was debating going to GCU, and I had a conversation with Pastor Jason uh, at camp. Uh, just an incredible altar moment. I was down there weeping, and, and the Lord was really moving on me, and I just felt like the call of God placed on my life, and Pastor Jay said, just say yes. And in that moment, I made a decision, you know what, I, I want to chase the call of God that's on my life, and I'm going to go do his internship. And so that's when I moved up to Vacaville. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I had gone to college and things would have played out the way they did, where my dad would have passed away, the things that my family went through, I would have been a mess. Mm -hmm. I would not be following the Lord. I would just be, I wouldn't have met my beautiful wife. I wouldn't have this amazing life that I have now. Not perfect, but certainly amazing, certainly blessed. And that was years prior to my father uh, passing away. And it was like God knew that it was going to get tough for me, and it still was tough, but he placed me in just the right place. I was at Harvest Church, mm-hmm. surrounded by great pastors, living with my pastors at the time, in Pastor Jay's internship, uh, had met my wife, had uh, just it was just a great community of people, so that when I was struggling and I was having a hard time, I just plugged myself into the church, and it wasn't easy all the time. I, I shared that in my testimony, but man, to have people to pick me up when I couldn't pick myself up and help carry me until I could carry myself is, is the number one thing that got me through that season outside of 
the Lord. Yeah, one of the biggest lies, if you're listening to this, is that there's not people in the church um, that don't really want to hear your mess. Hmm. Um, it's the enemy lying to you because actually freedom is really found in in running towards your Heavenly Father and in community with other believers. 100%. And there's people that are willing, and, and it's not like it's a, a charity thing because um, we all go through seasons of our life. Um, there, no one's exempt, including the pastor. No one's exempt from... from uh, trying to run this race alone and th- think that you're going to win. Yeah. We all have to have people in our life that are there, going to be there through thick or thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's one thing that you would add, John? Well, I think you even spoke about that. You talked about that cave of almost, you know, being right on the edge of that. And for me, and I think for a lot of people, it's just um, the one thing I was doing right is I was getting myself to the place where I knew I needed to be and I would hear truth. And so your message, the message God gave you to speak to us was the thing that moved me that one step. And I know if you move one step, God's going to be there and he's going to meet you. Mm -hmm. And for us right now, I think as a body, what we're experiencing is that we now have this place to where when those people make that one step, we've got people there. And the biggest way to come out of the cave is to get yourself into a place where people can come alongside. They can hear your story. They can love you and encourage you and walk alongside of you and literally God using us to do that. And it's humbling to realize that he actually uses us his people to walk alongside of and bring people out of those caves. So it's that one step. All it takes is one step. That's right. And just to reiterate DJ's message, as I'm recollecting, the first and most important step, if you're listening to this driving wherever you're at, is to say yes to your Heavenly Father. Mm. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Uh, You can run a million miles away from him, yet he's still only one step away. And you are found yourself in the cave of your own decisions, your comfort, um, other people's decisions, whatever cave you find yourself in. He's a God, man, that is chasing after you. And again, he's just one step away. Uh, last sermon, um, as we begin to wrap this up, it's been really, you know, John, you've spoken what's uh, talked about, what's really spoken to you about this sermon series. Uh, I have been deeply convicted uh, when we started talking about the God of restoration, about does the church actually believe in restoration anymore? And we say it very flippantly, like, of course, until the person that needs restoration comes to church and is messy. Mm-hmm. And we oftentimes have a lot of grace for strangers, but we have a little bit of grace for people that, we know, that, have, that we've known that have fallen. Um, last time I checked, people don't come to church pre-won, pre-discipled, and pre-matured. Mm-hmm. It is a process. Mm-hmm. And... God help us as a church if we're not willing to walk with people. A lot of people want to be part of a growing church and an exciting church, um, but not everyone that comes to your church is going to look like you, talk like you, walk like you, think like you. And then you start really figuring out, do I really want to be part of a growing church? And I think Parkway is is really dealing with that right now in a good way uh, because the, the people that God's bringing... They're not, they're not like us. They're not where we've been. They're not church. They don't have the church top down. Um, we, again, have baptized, I think, five or six as the time of this recording last week, and we have four or five that we're going to do on Sunday. Um, and so we have people coming to Jesus right now, um, and it's a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. hitting the church. Um, but I just wondered if you guys had any thoughts on 
what is it about us that the longer that we serve the Lord, the less we actually walk in grace? And we got to be careful. We got to be careful that we don't, we don't say that we believe in restoration, but then we don't actually walk it out and give people the opportunity to, to come back and return to even church leadership after they've fallen. Mm-hmm. You know, what would you say to that? I, I guess my feeling about that is I, and, and maybe we walk in uh, not dull places, but we walk in places of disobedience sometimes because we don't realize the power of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit guides and directs and moves us. And I think it was a period where we had that three days of prayer and one of the elders spoke out and said, I don't believe that we're coming to a revival and a restoration. I believe that it's here. And so I think sometimes when you forget the Holy Spirit's part in all of this and you kind of tamp things down or dull them down, I think we suffer the consequences of that. I think the church has done that. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the freedom that we have experienced in the move of the Holy Spirit in just allowing him to uh, have control of things is the thing that moves us to the place. I mean, what a wonderful example of restoration when you, you all of a sudden in the middle of a service had a restoration in a marriage that was hard to even put into words what that experience was like, but that's just how God does things. But I think it's the the fact that we've gotten gotten away from depending on the Holy Spirit and kind of walked our own path. And my prayer's been that there's a lot of lights flickering in this county and in this world, and that those lights would begin to burn brighter and brighter as yep. the world gets darker. We will get brighter, and revival and restoration are here as we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And walking in restoration obviously doesn't mean that you excuse the sin that people have walked in or choices or decisions that cause them to fall. Um, it's the weirdest thing that's almost like as a church community in America, whenever there's chaos, we run from it. Like a car wreck is like we hold up our hands and walk away. When really uh, the heart of Christ is that when you see something like that, you don't walk away, you run too. It's the picture of Jesus, what he did on the cross. He carried burdens that he did not create. And it's been the number one rule of the kind of church that I want to be a part of. And I'm not even talking about Parkway. I'm talking about the body of Christ at large, is that we do not run from problems. We run to them. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're that place of escape. Uh, you know, that, that's the hope. You know? Yeah, no, as you were talking, I was just thinking about how as Christians we can get very comfortable Uh, You know, when we talk about the the peace of God and, you know, when God restores our lives, he helps put things back together and we get so used to uh, sometimes our very comfortable life. And then, you know, when people are coming out of the world, you brought up the word chaos. And I just thought it's it's like chaos coming into a peaceful situation and you can have a tendency to kind of back up from it and say, well, I don't want to invite that chaos into my life. I'm I'm working on my peace right now. And that that seems like a little on the natural side. That seems like a little a little too messy for me, but those are the people that we're called to reach. And like you said, not reaching them out of excusing lifestyle, this and that, but out of, we're called to love them. We're called to not judge them, but try to be an example uh, of Christ and, and try to help restore them. Our part in the restoration process is God's part and our part. And we're just as big a part as, as, as Christ is, is in yeah. it, not as Christ, but, is helping people mm-hmm. to meet Christ, you know, yeah, we're the our hand, part in it. Your hands and feet. We're the hands and we're feet. We're the hands and feet. Yep. The, the hope, the hope of this message that it hits our church and in, in gets to the fabric of our DNA, that uh, 
winning people and walking in revival, what of one of our uh, childhood pastors would always say, you spell revival W O R K. Mm. And it's messy. The details are messy and the people's lives are messy. Um, but thank goodness we have a savior that cleans us up mm-hmm. and never forget where we came from. Yeah. Uh, because if we forget where we come from, we become part of the chosen frozen and ac- an accidental Pharisee. Um, and we got to be careful that we don't, we don't forget where God's brought us in our family. So what a, what a beautiful thing. Well, I would just add on to the restoration piece is somebody who's come to Christ as an adult and it was messy. My past was messy and coming to somebody and confessing that past and accepting Christ, the people who walked into the mess with me helped me walk out of the mess. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at Mm -hmm. people coming in and their messes, I just remember, you know, the people who walked in with me and, you know, they didn't pull me out, but they certainly were holding my hand as I was walking out and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have walked out had it not been for those people. And so my, my cry is to be someone who helps walk into the mess and just walks people, walks people out. That's awesome. You're, you're doing for others what was done for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what the hope is, if you're listening to this is a parkway is not a perfect church. Uh, We've got a lot to work on, including this pastor. I'm learning a lot of lessons about leadership in life. Um, but if you're looking for an environment where you need to be restored, uh, there's some doors that you can open at our church, and you'll find some loving people that want to be part of your process. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might not be the smartest people in the world. We might not have uh, all of the Greek and Hebrew uh, remembered or, or understood. Um, we might not uh, know all the Jewish customs and manners that we probably need to know. Uh, but more than deep knowledge, we're after deep obedience. And walking in love with God and surrender to His will, and then loving people along the journey, and then every day, walking closer like Him, and closer to Him, uh, because DJ, the one thing that we can take to heaven is what? People. We can take people. Uh, this church building's not going to make heaven. The church organization, the constitution and bylaws, and the policies, but what's going to make heaven is people. Mm-hmm. And that we're excited that you guys are here. Uh, Chris, I give them some instructions one more time where they can find this podcast. Well, first, thank you guys. Appreciate you doing this and spending your time. If you've missed any of those sermons or you want to go back and listen to them again or you want to see some of the amazing stories, just go ahead and go online at parkwaycc.com slash sermons or you can find them on our YouTube channel at Parkway Christian Center. Thanks so much, guys.